Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about the invasion problems in Gambit. It was really a video about suggesting some changes I think that could lower the influence of invasion. Not necessarily the power, but the influence. I think we've kind of maybe approached the subject wrongly up till now. So it was a bit of a change of position for me. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Uh, and if I'm not live, just click the follow button so you can take a part in these discussions that we have. So let's take the first question here from, <clears throat> excuse me, Solodeo Gloria. I thought I cropped this and I didn't. It says, does a competitive mode have a place in Destiny in its current state? I know I've submitted a couple of questions about this. But I like competition. Frankly, you're right. Destiny competition is just terrible. I mean, here's the thing. I don't necessarily think that you can say there's no room for competitive in Destiny. I think they've got some really, really good core elements. I just think that they've got a very muddled... The the place where you would probably see it show up is a little bit muddled. I mean, if you think about it, they... They have a lot of maps and a lot of identity problems that are still being imported from Vanilla Destiny 2. I mean, you look at the double primary situation and the influence that had over the map design and some of the philosophies just about game design too, like what what's the one called Countdown? That, I mean, that feels like a... That feels like a, a lost relic now a little bit as a game mode. I loved Countdown in 4v4, but... Well, the more the more you think about it, the more you play it. It just it feels like an import from Vanilla Destiny Two that sort of doesn't belong, and I just wonder if that's more of the issue than the fact that you can't really. Oh, it's the meta. It's the meta. I don't know. I feel like maybe more of it is there's too much in the mix that's sort of sullying the feel of anything that tries to be competitive. I mean, look at what happened to Gambit. Think about it. Look at what happened to Gambit when it first came out. First it was the Sleeper, then it was then it was the Queen Breakers, and then oh well now it's it, and now it's whatever else you want to point out that's too strong, you know, Thunderlord or you know, in general just machine guns in Gambit being crazy influential and crazy strong, right? So I think a lot of that just has more to do with the the game has a lot of pieces in it that are either either muddled or have different intentionalities or different purposes. I mean, you can go back all the way back to Taken King and you can see this. You go all the way back to the Taken King and you can see this. Because when they introduced the, the new subclasses in Taken King, it became very clear that they hadn't thought through the influence that those were going to have. And I think that's important to think about because... This is this is not a this is not a new new situation or a new problem. We've we've been here before. Um, we've been here before where stuff from PVE kind of comes into new content and it sort of corrupts it and it kind of makes it, you know, it kind of makes it weird. It's like, wait, how did you guys not know that hammers were going to be that strong in PvP? Well, they weren't designed for PvP. They were designed to be. Oh, I definitely have fallen. They were designed to be a super for PvE content, and then they went into PvP and they caused all kind of problems. So, uh, again, I think they've got core elements that would work for competitive, but I just think all it takes is one really, really strong gun or one really, really strong exotic to sort of ruin what might feel like balanced encounters. But you also have to remember, 
we got a really balanced crucible in d2 vanilla and people really didn't like it it was boring and now that we've got the saucy crucible back crucible numbers are pretty good but that's all we hear are complaints about how crucible is just this crucible is just that and i mean i'll be honest i i've never liked crucible and i certainly don't like it now getting shoulder charged bum rush with shotguns i feel like oh i die i feel like i die to supers more than anything you know, once a team starts rolling on you, you basically just die to supers the whole time. So I, I you know, I, I'm not a big fan of 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 putting competitive things in a game like Destiny because I think like Destiny at its core has always been and will always be a PVE game at its heart, and I think that matters more. I think that's a better that's a better lane for this game. I do. I think it's a better lane for this game. Battle Royale has changed the landscape. It has changed so much about. Destiny and, and PvP games and expectations and I think wow that guy got wrecked I think that if 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 you're wanting to have a competitive PvP game I just think it's going to be really really hard these days unless it's super super polished and perfect and dedicated servers and, and the mixed the mixed identity of Destiny just feels super super un, unwelcoming to do PvP. I think they're just they're always going to struggle for that reason. I think successful PvP games in the future. Thank you Death Voice for 2 months and 4 months for Quick and Deadly. I think successful PvP games in the future are going to be games that that is their primary identity. That's it. That's what they do. We heard you needed gloves. And I don't think I don't think Destiny is that. I think Destiny is primarily a PvE game, so it always muddies the waters. Always. So, what's the point? I said this about Anthem when people like wanted PvP and Anthem. What is the point in having something that is not at its best and feels forced and is somewhat mediocre? Why? Why dedicate development time, teams of people, creativity, patches, quality of life, fixes, balances, ETC, all the way down that laundry list of stuff they have to do because PvP's in the game. You do all of that to deliver a mediocre PvP mode. Mediocre. You look at Fortnite, you look at Apex Legends, you look at other PvP game modes that they, they have their, their identity rooted in PvP. And every change they make is 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 hopefully you would you would hope. Now that didn't really happen with Fortnite a lot of times, but you would hope that it would push the quality of the game further, the balance of the game further, the competitive nature of the game further. Not surprising. I played Apex Legends for one day, and I was like, people are gonna take issue with the RNG and the tiered armor. No, they're not, Lono. That's just what BRs are. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, go check out Doc Disrespect's tweet where he basically said what I said. It just took a while. That's kind of par for the course. It just took a while. If you want that game to be competitive, that's what people are going to set their sights on. But the reason that he can make that criticism and that request is because that's all Apex Legends is. It's a PvP mode. It's a BR mode. And they can tweak it within its within its identity and within its existence. It's really difficult to do that when you shove PvP in a game where it kind of feels like it doesn't belong. It ends up being mediocre, frustrating. It's always changing. It's never the same. And then the people that enjoy PvE feel like it's affecting their side of the game, the side of the game that they enjoy. I say all this to not bring back the sore subject of like, let's just get rid of PvP, but it starts to really, sometimes it honestly starts to feel like they're heading in that direction because what's the point in delivering mediocrity in a world where expectations and what players want isn't even really going to line up with 6v6 or 3v3 PvP. People are moving away from that style of PvP. 
I mean, for crying out loud, just read some of the reports about Fortnite changing the landscape of gaming in general with respect to a lot of these big name titles feeling like they're being affected by the existence of Fortnite. These free-to-play giant BR games are affecting the zetgeist of gaming, and when that happens, that becomes a business decision at that point. If we spend all this time on PvP, it ends up being mediocre, and we have a continued and dwindling side of the PvP player base because people are, are are leaping like hand over fist into into other styles of games, into other styles of game modes. Why even bother with this anymore? I disagree that PvP does not belong in the games. I do agree that it should not affect PvE. Unless they can deliver a 10 out of 10 PvP experience that still somehow captures the heart and soul of Destiny, which is space magic, abilities, loot that you go and get and then take into the Crucible. If they can somehow manage to capture that in the next game, they'll be on their way. But I just don't know if they're ever going to be able to do that. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to do that. And I think if they continue, if they continue to go down the path that they're going down, you're going to continue to have a PvP mode that isn't that appealing, that feels somewhat mediocre, and doesn't appeal to the next generation of gamers. So if PvP gets jettisoned from Destiny, that will be why. It'll be a business decision. There's no, there's no draw. People want things to be free. They want the maps to be free. They want every time the annual pass gets an update, we got to hear from the PVP crowd about how, where are our maps? Why aren't you giving us more maps? I just think, I don't know. I just think PVP doesn't stand much of a chance surviving as, as the future landscape of, of player versus player games and expectations are changing. And when you're only ending up with something that just feels like it's mediocre, you're you're getting hit from both ends. You deliver mediocrity, which nobody wants to do, and you're delivering mediocrity to an ever-dwindling PvP player base because they're shifting gears. Look, Twitch is not deterministic. Twitch is not deterministic, but just look just look at the Twitch streamers who used to play PvP day in, day out. Look at what they have done. They're high-skilled players, and where have they gone? Where are they planning their roots? How many do we have to list before people start to realize that PvP and Destiny is basically dying? I hate to say that. I really do. But it's dying. It is. You've lost them all. You've lost them all. And they are representative of the people that you would want playing PvP. They're representative. They're hardcore players. They're high-skilled players. They played a lot of D1 PvP, you know? And they've moved on. Do you think you're going to get them back with a couple of big patches, a couple of good patches? Probably not. What about the player base at large? Probably not. Expectations change, man. People play Fortnite and Apex Legends for a while, and you think you're going to pull them back in with a couple of patches? I just don't think here. I come here for depression. Thanks, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do. I, I, I don't like saying these things. I think we're I think we're in denial if we think PvP stands a chance in the future. I just think we're in denial. I think it's on its way out. You think PC and fragmenting base accelerated the drop-off? Potentially, Captain McFly. That added to the burning fire. But I think the fire was... I think they started the fire with D2 vanilla PvP. That was the start of the fire. And I think Fortnite poured gasoline on it. I think Fortnite just poured gasoline on it. It was just like, dude, it, 
why even play this game? We'll go play this. It's more fun. There's more of a skill. There's more of a skill ceiling and a representation of skill. Um, and all my friends are playing it. It's free. You know, the balance is good right now. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different opinions about that. You know, there's a lot of different opinions about where the balance is. I, I think. And before people go to the YouTube comments to scold me for doing this, I just I just bake the boss if the person in the area is baking the boss. So I hit him with a Nova. I did it as a test to see what this guy would do, and this gentleman started baking with his super, so we baked. So quit getting preachy in my freaking comments on YouTube, because if the people in the area are baking, you might as well join in and go to the next activity, because the turnover of fragments is better anyway than standing on a stupid electrical field for two whole minutes. Um, so... I think I might need to do a video about that, about why I think PvP is probably on the way out. Because the more the more I think about it, and the more I think about the influence of Apex Legends, and the more I think about the influence of Fortnite, the more I think that, that PvP is just... It, it. I don't think it stands as much of a chance. And I also think, if you look at Twitter, people have noticed that some of the guys that used to work on PvP, their profiles on Twitter have changed. Their profiles are now uh, generic. They don't say they're working on PvP. Well, why is that? Now, maybe that's because they pivoted to new projects for for Destiny 3, but I don't know. The The goal of a business that makes video games should be to make content that both generates revenue and captures a player base. And I don't think PvP and Destiny is gonna do that much longer. I don't think it can. Here's the gamble. Here's the gamble. Even if they knock it out of the park, even if PvP in Destiny 3 just gets an absolute praise, 10 out of 10 marks from PvP players, you are still dealing with a consumer base that has changed its affinities. BR, a free BR, is just like the new, that's just what people want. The success of Apex Legends is proof of this. It's what the community, it's what the players and the gamers are clamoring to. And you're basically offering something that's outdated. VR is dead already? No, it's not, dude. Look at the player base numbers, the sales, and the viewership. That is completely untrue. How can you say BR is dead already with the rapid growth of concurrent players that Apex Legends had? Apex Legends broke like... I don't know. They broke every, any record that was in existence, I think. Like with as, as far as like player-based growth numbers. How is BR dead already? Even if Battle Royale starts to see a decrease in player engagement, it has changed the expectations of the players. So it's a gamble either way you look at it. Either way you look at it, if you make a stellar PvP mode that's 6v6, 3v3, and a, and a, and a combination of all those different things, you are still... You are still taking a giant risk given how much things have changed in the PvP realm. There are streamers that have pivoted, there's teams, there's organizations, there's all these things that happen. The only way Destiny PvP would actually get off the ground and be massively successful is if it wasn't just built with a lot of intelligence and it was built to last and it was really, really highly praised. They would have to build it from the bottom to the top and have basically... I'm, I was inside his ten- I was inside the prison cell. I was inside! That was cool. That was cool. The only way- They would need to bring in esports organizations and have them basically assist in building it for esports. 
That's the only way. Because that's how you draw a crowd. If it's built for esports, that would draw a crowd. People would people would rally around that. They would try to get better. They would grind. They would try to improve because they see the esports potential. Why do you think so many Destiny players have moved to Apex Legends? Because they see the potential. They see the potential. Free to play draws a crowd too. That 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 could be a part of it. Greg escapes. I agree, but if it's just part of a main launch, I think it could work as well. All right, again, we're gonna test what people in the area are doing. Are you gonna bake him? If you don't want to bake him, I won't bake him. That's fine. We'll do the we'll do the event normal then. Well, I mean heroic. I only bake if the people in the area want to bake. We talked about this in the office. Do you think a game needs to be an eSport or number one on Twitch to be considered successful? I'm not saying that's what it needs to be considered successful, but I'm saying in the landscape of PvP, I honestly think at this point that's, that's being, that is being woven into player expectation and therefore becomes a draw. Right? So many people have watched... I mean, if you think about just what Fortnite's done with respect to player expectations when they're playing, like they want to be our game... Okay, they want to be our game. They also watch Twitch. They see tournaments. They watch Friday Fortnite. They watch the uh, summer skirmishes. See that right there is why I don't go for the uh, go for heroic. I tried to help this guy get heroic, and one and two people come in and they turn it normal. That's why it just isn't worth it. That's why I do. I just bake him. You just bake him and get it over with. Like Bungie just created a bad public event. Like it's not our fault. They just bake him and move on. Um, yeah, but I do think esports is being woven into player expectation. And here's why: PVP games are the next football, right? PVP games, esports arenas—that's the next football. That's the next baseball and basketball. People want to be Tifu. People want to be these big, big players that want to compete. And that's why if you are going to design a PvP game and you want it to be successful, that's going to be the question in all these young kids' mind. And also, not just the young kids' mind, but the dedicated PvP players are going to say, okay, is this thing built for esports? Because that matters to me now. Like, that's something that I care about. That's something that I'm, I'm working on. I'm, I'm going to get into your game and I'm going to play and I'm going to get better and I'm going to hope to get on a team. So I don't think it's required in order to say it is quote-unquote successful, but I think the minute the landscape of expectations change, you better lean into those expectations or you're going to get left in the dadgum dust. Look at Overwatch and Battleborn. Like, if your game is better and offers a more professional feel, then people are going to flock to it. And if that becomes the expectation, sweet, you got a nice PvP game mode here, but it doesn't really feel built for esports. It's pretty imbalanced. It's kind of wild. Servers don't seem to be doing that great. You know, people will put up with that if the game is fun, but it's not going to be a long-term investment PvP game. It just won't. The question of PvP now is almost like, where's my skill going to take me? Not like, how many games can I win with my bros? You know? Overwatch has got esports. I, you know, every, every major, every major PvP game that's been coming out recently is attached to esports. Live Antibiotics says, how do you think light power increase every season has an impact on the game? Well, it, I think it's fine if, if power level is easily obtained because it's a nice way to structure the content 
hey man as you're leveling up each week there's going to be new activities you got to get a little bit stronger for each of these activities they're a little bit harder enemies a little bit stronger it gives you that sense of progression and sense of power you know you're you're leveling up and you're advancing right well I think that's fine. I think the reason it's short-circuiting is is that, is, as we've said many, many times, leveling is just RNG-based and terrible. Even this morning, I've had terrible progress because I've gotten bad RNG. Not because I'm not playing a lot, or not because I'm doing the wrong activities, but I got bad RNG. I keep getting kinetic weapons today. Or I finally got gauntlets, and then I got another pair of gauntlets two drops later, and, they, and the gauntlets were then too low. Just almost like insulting me. So... LL Brood 711 says, What if instead of a race to invasion, the invasion portal activates at the same time on both teams? It won't be so repetitive so people know to go. Like it would activate different times each game. There would be two to four a game. I mean, you're, you're feeding me back my, the, not my idea, but you're feeding me back the idea that we outlined in the video and talked about yesterday. Invasion happens on a timer, so both teams know they can invade at two minutes or whatever, and then that's where the strategy comes into play. Do we let the guy that wants to bank 20 get to 20 and let him send the big blocker? Do we send a bunch of mediums? Do we send a bunch of smalls? Hey man, you need to come bank. I know you've got 14, but screw that noise, dude. They're going to invade in 30 seconds. Come bank. You know, risk versus reward, strategy of, you know, strategy of... Of, uh, of losing moats. Now, someone might say, well, Lono, that's just going to turn into people basically banking and not having any moats when the invade comes, so invade would become pointless. Not necessarily. You could save your invade. You don't have to invade at two minutes. I should have included this in the video as I just now thought of it. You don't have to invade when the timer comes up. You could wait and be like, no, 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 don't invade yet. Look, they just banked. They just banked. Clear the plate. Let's clear the plate. Get rid of those blockers. You have a sentry. You have somebody that's like dedicated to killing blockers. And then you hold on and you kind of wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go now. Go now. Go. They just did. They got a bunch of moats. They must have hit an HVT and you and you bum rush and go over. That creates more of a tension and more of a, you know, the... Is there is there a back and forth? Is there an actual chance for the teams to come back? Is there a chance for teams to turn things around? Instead of just race to 25, shut them down before they get to 25, then that's the end of it. You'd play a whole lot differently, right? Dude, the invasion portal's open. You can't keep going for big blockers. Grab those fives and go. Grab those fives and go. Some of you might think like, no, it's actually like really beneficial to go for the bigger blockers. Just protect the guy that's grabbing all the moats. Do you see? Strategies would, would emerge. You'd be like protecting the president. You'd be like, no, 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 let's get this guy to 20. Let's get him to 20. Let's protect him. And let's keep going. And then you and then you try, you know, you try and work your way to 20. Again, you're you're trying to develop a feeling of the other team is is a is a consistent threat. And I think this would do that. I think it would keep people in closer proximity and it would feel like more of a back and forth. Uh, Dustin Thing. Uh, how would you go about giving defenders more tools to combat invaders? I mean, I don't really know because it's a 4v1 situation. So if, if you give us things to do, I don't know. What if you could bank? What if you knew they were about to invade and you could spend moats to give you like invader uh it gives a random person like invader immunity or something 
So you could basically be like, bank the moats, let's spend the moats. I know I know it's 10 moats, I know this is frustrating, but if we bank the moats and we give that guy of invader immunity, he can keep going for his 20 moats. So we're spending, but we're spending to earn. And then other people are like, well, we're not, we're not going to be you know, immune to the invader, so we need to make sure we're banking. I don't know. I'm just rattling ideas off the top of my head that could become super freaking problematic. But at the bottom of it, I just think my goal is to lower influence, not power. Invader's influence is so strong, it doesn't even matter if he comes and gets kills right now. He can come over and just be a presence that slows you down. You get moat drained from the two blockers. And while that's happening, you're not collecting while the other team is. And they're screaming ahead to 50 while you're sitting there hiding behind a freaking wall. Um, so we, uh, we have to kill, we have to kill, uh, fallen and we have to generate, uh, and get super kills. Let me see what the, uh, what the status is on, um, what's her face. She's still at 96. I guess public events move it. I don't know. That's weird. JP Dole. How do you think Bungie could make Gambit more of a fun grind instead of a dreading having to go into Gambit because of the gear may not even be good? I'll tell you how they do it. Trials bounties. Trials bounties? What the frick? Yes, trials bounties. Trials bounties created an inroad of accessibility for casual players to go into trials and still feel a sense of reward and progress, even though they were probably getting their freaking faces shellacked. If you put bounties in Drifter that guarantee you gun drops every once in a while like Ada, people would go in and be like, it's not that big of a deal if we lose. I'm getting a gun. You remember that feeling in Iron Banner when you were grinding for a clever dragon? Not a big deal if we lose, dude. There's another chance at a clever dragon. You know? Maybe, maybe every Gambit game should drop a piece of Gambit loot. Maybe they should do that. Maybe they should do that. So then, again, that feeling from Iron Banner. You're like, you know what? Not a big deal if we lose this game. It's it's just another, it's a quicker turnover rate on us getting a potential drop on the gun that we want. You know, if it drops a weapon every time or something. Because then, <clears throat> yeah, imagine getting one piece of loot per game. There you go. I mean, that, that right there. That right there would keep people playing. And sure, it's more fun to win, but just like Iron Banner, you'd be like, eh, it's not a big deal. You know, I'm just here for the loot. I'm just here for the loot. You know, now some people might complain and say, you're just going to fill the player base with people that aren't going to try. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a possibility. You could definitely make you could definitely make it feel like it, that. I mean, that's happening now. I think that's happening now. I mean, right now you're having <laughs> you're having people that go in just for the milestone and they don't care if they lose. There's plenty of times we've gone in and played with randoms and you're like, dude, this dude doesn't even care. He's not even trying. He's losing moats. He's maybe he's working on a bounty or whatever. Um, there's 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 plenty of things. Oh, you can't. I thought maybe the explosion on the ground would kill those things. Oh well. There's plenty of the. <laughs> There's plenty of people in the mix that are already doing that now for the milestone, so. You know. The people, and here's what I would say to that. Here's what I would say to that. If you go into Gambit and you're like, dude, I keep getting paired with people that don't care. They're clearly just going for loot. They're not even trying. You know what I would say to you? If you want to win, form a freaking team. 
if you want to win, like, it's a 4v4 game mode with mechanics and, and synergy and strategy, and if you're going in and you want to win, you can't get mad at people that are that are like, yeah, I don't really care if I win or not, dude. Now, if they're throwing, that's different, but if they're not really trying hard or they're sweat, or they're not, you know, they're not really wanting to sweat, that's totally fine because, you know what, if you want to win, then put together a freaking team and go in and win. It's a 4v4 environment and, you know, and here's another thing to consider. If they're, I feel like when I solo queue, and a lot of people say when they solo queue, they pretty consistently get paired with other so against other solo queues. As long as they're trying to do that, like trying not to constantly throw you up against, you know, really really strong teams that are stacked up, then odds are, you know, you could run into a team that has the exact same thing going on on the other side. You could have a casual dumb dumb on each team. It's just kind of like ho hum ho hum. I don't care if I win, you know. And I think that that would, that would, that would, in some respects, kind of balance itself out. You're going to have people on both teams that are just kind of like yawning their way through the game because they're just working on a bounty. Now, you could be smart. You could be smart and you could say, you know, bank, have the bounties for the guns be like bank moats. So at least they're doing the base level thing. Now, don't encourage them to bank 15. That's freaking infuriating. You know, encourage them to just to be, keep banking in fives. At the very least, that would help. FWC Guardian. How would you feel about Bungie removing Gambit for a few seasons uh, to do a complete overhaul? I think that Trials treatment is necessary. I mean, they're not going to do that. I said that a while back. I said that I feel like it needs completely retooled, but they're not going to. Avalon. What are your thoughts on the timer between invasions once the Primeval has spawned in Gambit Prime? I consistently feel like there is always a member of the enemy team on our side of the field. One of the reasons people get so tired of invasions during the the boss portion of the Gambit Prime fight is because they don't understand how to win that fight easily. If you rush envoys and kill them and secure your stack, that's all you have to do. And then the invader comes over and who cares what he does, okay? Who cares what he does? Once you get to stacks three or four and you know you're going to be melting the boss... You know you're going to be melting the boss once you get stacks three or four. Just don't kill the third envoy. Wait for the uh, wait for the invader to leave. Um, what the frick? I thought I saw a milestone pop up. I guess I didn't. She's literally at ninety nine percent. Um, once once you do that, then just kill that envoy. You just kill that envoy once the invader's gone and then melt the boss. Invading constantly during the boss fight is literally just a nuisance if you apply the wait-to-bake strategy. Seriously, wait-to-bake strategy and the, and the, and the invader's just a nuisance. Um, you think supers need changing in competitive? I, I see um, True Vanguard talking about super mods all the time and how it makes a huge difference in competitive, so I would rely on his authority on that and not mine. Fuzz bounce. Question forwarded for zero, then one. So with how looter shooters work with the constant dopamine drip and the occasional heavy hit from getting a coveted item, do you think that this is leading to a type of addiction to the dopamine drip? How would you propose to counter this via gameplay or IRL? For someone who is trying to leave the looter shooters, do you have a suggestion for games that might help? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that everyone's different 
So if you're worried that you're getting addicted to the dopamine drip, I mean, just play some fun action-adventure games. Just play some goofy games. Play some classic games would be my suggestion. Maybe recapture what got you into gaming to begin with, which is just a journey of fun into another place. What's good, WTF Game Nation? You know, sometimes I need to do that. I need to just play Ori and the Blind Forest or Hellblade and just stand in awe of their beauty and, and recapture what I love about gaming. Get out of the dopamine trenches, get out of the grind trenches of Destiny and other games, and just play something that you like. You know, uh, Enviro asked me for some advice, well, not me, but she was like, what do you do when you get into a rut as a streamer? What should you do? You know, you're getting kind of burned out. I was like, pull out the list of games you've been kind of waiting to play or really wanting to play and play them. And she she dove headfirst into Detroit Become Human, a brilliantly designed game, and she said it really helped and she loved it, right? Sometimes you just need to do that. Sometimes you just need to put the grinder down and, uh, not the app, you sickos. Sometimes you just need to put the grindy game down and then just play something that you've been holding off. Play Cuphead. Play Ori in the Blind Forest. Play, you know, play one of your favorite games from, a, from your childhood if you can, like Mario or something. Get a good action-adventure game like Spider-Man or Horizon Zero Dawn and just, just get into hack-and-slash fights and clear the map. Play Dark Souls. Oh my gosh. Shut up, Angelus. Uh, Borquin. I would argue that uh, TOO was in a similar space, place that Gambit... Oh, Trials of Osiris is in a similar place as Gambit now. Good concept, but needs work. In D1, split weapon balance from PvE and PvP was an obvious solution that they, they that goes for Gambit now. Why would they disband it, uh, balance Gambit separately? I feel like this is the only answer. I feel like this is a complicated answer, right? I feel like you're saying, look, man, if you want to get on the moon, just build a rocket ship. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true, but building a rocket ship is super complicated. You know, watch Apollo 13 if you want to see how complicated it is and how crazy it can go. Like, O-rings not being, what was it, like an O-ring not being uh, tested for the insane cold? That one detail almost killed the entire crew, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't think it's as simple as like, yeah, just split it down the middle, man. Just split it down the middle. There's so many things that go into that. I also think, I also think that they, they, they built the game in such a way where that's not just complicated. It's really, really challenging and potentially can harm the game. It's really complicated. So... It, that that's why I would say yes they need to do it but I almost feel like the only way they're getting there is by they would need to rebuild the entire game from the ground up and have them be very very separate and there's a really really big danger there there's a danger of Destiny 2's PvP not having the identity of Destiny and then people wouldn't play it do you want proof of that? look at Destiny 2 PvP at launch at vanilla Destiny 2 PvP at launch. Like, that is proof that when the game loses its core identity, no one wants to freaking play it. D2 PvP at launch was completely and utterly different. I mean, I was playing it and doing well. If you need proof of of how bad it was, for frick's sake. (laughs) I was holding numbers. I was playing with guys like... 
Ninja with Noel and Lupo and Ramblin and I was and I was actually having similar numbers at the end of games. Why? They just removed the identity of the game. There was no skill expression. It was just team shot. So like I land the last shot on the lane and I get the kill instead of Lupo. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean I'm better than Lupo. Give me a freaking break. Lupo is in is in another is in another league. So when they remove the identity of the PvP, it, it killed it. And that's the big risk. Is if you split D1, if you split Destiny 3 right down the middle, you you run the risk of gutting the identity and then nobody playing, being like, this just kind of feels like Halo with Destiny weapons. That's not really what I want. Yeah, well yeah, and assist counted the kills. That's true too, Watts. That's true. That is definitely true. So the point that I'm making is I don't think that Destiny's PvP can ever really get to a place where it's divorced from the it's divorced from the the space magic and the loot that you find which means even if they split it down the middle you're still going to have people coming over you are still going to have people coming over into Destiny's PvP and using items and doing things that are clearly stronger and you know just all right i won't do it i won't do it i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait and see if they're gonna bake i just think you run i think there's a big big risk there's a big big risk in losing the identity of the game um and that would ultimately have it could have similar ramifications as to what we saw d2 vanilla pvp when nobody wanted to play and everybody hated it and I think, and I think you could run the risk of having similar similar scenarios uh, in in the future. Uh, Angelus, I disagree with invasions being strong. I, however, fully agree that casuals versus or above average players, it's way too influential. Do you think it's one of these things that is just too imbalanced depending on player skill? Well, no. I mean, I honestly would argue this, Angelus, and you might disagree with me. We don't we don't exactly see eye to eye on this issue, but I would argue. I would argue that two stacked teams take two stacked teams in Gambit and you and you put them head to head. I think so much of it would come down to RNG. Seriously, so much of it would come down to RNG. First to invade would be so so RNG based. The pathing like the 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 pathfinding of the enemies where they ended up how far the enemies are from the bank that would determine who gets to invade first right that first team invades you have no idea where he's going to end up so he could get great placement and get two of you that have a bunch of moats he could get terrible placement and get killed right away and because because we know as you say strong players leverage the influence more uh, two strong teams going head to head you'd be like well we lost because that first invade dude I went over and got shot right away it was just bad RNG I landed I was in the line of sight of the guy on their team that had heavy I'm dead and now we're behind and it's, and, it, and a really good team is gonna let oh man they're gonna leverage that lead so so much they're gonna blitz to 50 then 75 and it's just gonna continue to feel like we basically had the game decided for us within the first 60 seconds I think even if you're a fan of the game and you're a fan of Gambit Prime you have to hear what I'm saying and know that like yeah he's probably right that is probably how it would happen really good teams 
Think about it in the realm of trials. In the realm of trials, when you had maps that were really imbalanced and one team got got a such and such a spawn, they had to change the one map because literally the team that got the good spawn won like they won like every time. All they had to do was be even like even the most they had to be like slightly competent to hold lanes so you couldn't push, and then they would just wait till the end, and then they would just defend the control point, and then they would win. I'm fairly certain there was a map in D1 Trials that was so imbalanced that, like, I I can't remember if they put out the numbers or somebody tracked it themselves and they basically said, if you get that side of the map, you're going to win, like, 90% of the time. And then that, that led to them changing, changing, spa, the, changing the spawns or the location of the control point or something. That 100% happened. And that's essentially what I'm saying, is that when there is that level of influence, a control point and spawning on a map in Trials, it could be leveraged by even the most competent, even the most remote, like, mediocrely competent team. You're gonna have the exact same thing happening in Gambit if two if two highly skilled teams go head-to-head. So much RNG is gonna determine the efficiency of that first invade, and that first invade whoever whoever wins that lottery yes our first invade was good you are i mean you are very very likely you are on your way to winning like a, a very very high probability again it's not the power of the invades it's the influence it's just so influential so influential and it's so influential that the rng swing would make a lot of competitive teams just be like this isn't a very competitive mode it just, it just isn't a competitive mode. If they get better RNG on the HVTs or the moat drops or on the spawn rate of the invader, they get good RNG, they win. You know? We talked about that in Gambit before Gambit Prime came out. Like, with uh, Heavy. Heavy dropping on the ground being random. And, like, teams that would get Heavy drops, Milo would invade, and then half their team, three out of their four players would have Heavy, and they'd, they'd all just, like shoot at him in, the, in, a, in a general direction he wouldn't be able to do anything. Why? Well, they had good RNG, or they were using uh, taken armaments, you know? That's that's influential as well over the flow of Gambit in a huge, huge way. And that's RNG as well, because getting those armaments is not a matter of skill, it's a matter of RNG. Glockstrap. With invasions being so strong, what are your thoughts on perhaps allowing mechanics to stop invading or providing options to remove an invader without a direct kill, such as bank a large number uh, of moats when the invader comes over to reduce the time allotted to invade or triggering another event on the map? I mean, you'd have to put that you'd have to allow somebody to burn burn the moats some other way. I don't know. I just don't think you're solving. I don't think. I don't feel like you're solving the problem. I don't feel like you're solving the problem. I feel like you're still making it to where the invasion is heavily influential because you're still going to make me use moats to manage or deal with invasion. And if you make it really, really low cost, then like that's all people would do. See what I see? What I'm telling you? The game trolls you, dude. The game trolls you. It starved me of gloves. I had I had nine I had six seventy seven gloves for an entire week. My gloves were over twenty levels behind, over twenty levels behind my level, and now I'm getting another. Right, Forever Knight said this. He said, "Now you're just gonna keep getting gloves," and he is exactly right. Like I swear, the game trolls you. It's like you needed gloves, we starved you of gloves, and now that's all you're gonna get. As like it's like a passive form of trolling the player. I just I. 
they have got to take a look at this uh, this leveling system. Um, Coke Logic. Yo, what's good, Coke Logic? How about you get three invades, make them count? This would also make invasions unpredictable. I've gotten this suggestion a lot. Yeah, you can just invade whenever you want. I don't know if this would change that much of the game. Because all you would do is you would watch their moat collection. Okay? You would basically have a dedicated invader. He would sit on the, the portal. And he would get heavy. Right? And then you see the moat collection go up. You can see the little meter filling. And you know they just got a bunch of moats and they're not near the plate. And then you go over and invade. And again, invasion is so influential. It's not even really about the power. Just going over and invading and making them hide for 30 seconds, we have won games because of that. We put two blockers on their platform, we get moat drain. Somebody goes over and they just hide from him. Doesn't matter. While they're hiding, they're not getting moats. They're losing moats, right? They're losing moats and... And beyond losing moats, they're uh, they're falling way behind in the neck in, in the banking. So even if you're not even if you're not invading at twenty five fifty and seventy five, and you're like, well, but they would have invades of their own to use. That's true. But again, I feel like it would just turn into. I feel like it would just turn into. You you just watch the moat thing fill, invade, and then you just stop the other team. Now. What would probably end up happening is there would be less moat drain because people wouldn't want to risk suddenly getting invaded with a ton of moats. They'd get five bank, get five bank, get five bank. So maybe this is a good idea. This is another version of our idea. You're basically you're basically leaving room for strategy to push against invasion. Because you could say, look, they can invade three times. Don't ever go for big blockers. You're banking five over and over and over again just to minimize the risk, right? So they invade and it slows you down, but no big deal. You can do the same thing to them. So they're, they're employing a similar strategy. However, however, if they time it right and they get 15 or they get a 10 or, you know, they get a big one, they get the big 20 boss to, to show up because they've got a collector and they take that risk or they beat you or they hide or whatever that 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 creates an element that creates an element of reward and boomerang well yeah i hid but i have 20 i'm gonna go send 20 we didn't really lose any moats because somebody was managing the plate they were kind of killing the blockers and we're invading too the only thing you'd have to do is if you get three invades you'd have to put a timer on next invade if someone invades and has a bad invade, they shouldn't be able to just jump right back in. Because what happens now is, you go in at 25, even if they hide from you, and you just kind of sit there and watch the bank to ensure they don't kill any of the blockers, so you're getting moat drain, you just kind of watch the bank. Even when that happens, you're going to beat them to 50, and you get to go over and do it right all over again. You just jump right back in at 50, because you're slowing them down so much. So you'd have to put some kind of a timer on on that invasion. You have to be like, well, you can't just keep invading, because you get your three, like you're going to bank them all like back to back to back to back. That would be a bit ludicrous. You'd have to say, nope, you invaded. You got to wait a solid minute or something, especially if you have a good invasion. If you have a good invasion and you get a couple kills, that team needs time to recuperate. They've got to respawn. They got to go get some moats and get moving again. Because if you can just jump right back in, they will never, ever, ever climb out of that pit. They're just going to be stuck there. I mean, they're never climbing out ever okay so right now we're 92 
So I could do, yeah, I'll do some frames from beta, from from uh, from Ada. I'll do some frames from Ada. I don't think I have a ballistics log that I saved from last week. No, so we need to go do a forge. Those will drop pretty strong, especially if I do them. We found that if you did them in Berguzia, they were they're dropping a little bit higher. I could do the bow and get a strong kinetic. Rusty, what do you think of a method for the losing team to remove primeval stacks from the leading team? Something to enable the team to come back. No, I don't think you want... You do not want catch-up mechanics. You don't. At the heart of my suggestion, right? Somebody made the suggestion of the timer, and I'm taking that suggestion, and I'm really fleshing it out. The heart of this suggestion, at its heart, the spirit of it is keeping the teams within threat distance. I just want the team that's behind to be within striking distance. I do not want them to get catch-up mechanics so that playing from behind becomes a strategy or playing from behind is incredibly frustrating to deal with. So, I don't like the idea of removing stacks. If we get ours up first and we get our envoys out and we kill them and we earn those stacks, we deserve to pull ahead. You are within striking distance if we take the influence of invasion away. You should be able to summon and hopefully be one and, and hopefully be one stack behind us, right? Be one stack behind us. I mean, I, if you're always one stack behind, you're at a disadvantage, but if you play smart and you do good damage cycles and good invades, you could turn the tide of the boss cycle. You could do some damage at number two, have a good invade prevention, and then catch back up. And in that case, you would deserve to, you would deserve to win. You made the right plays, the right calls, and you timed things well. But you're not playing from behind and leveraging catch-up mechanics. It is way more about keeping people in proximity. Again, like... Like I said in trials, if you're going up against a, a mediocre but competent team and you're you know you're better than them, but you start to relax and you start to overextend and you start to make mistakes and they capitalize on it, the reason they're able to do that is because they are st- they're still a threat. You get around, they get to reset, they get around to try, and then they and then here we go. Like let's 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 rally, let's rally back. They're always within striking distance. In Gambit, I mean if you pull ahead in a tri- in a trials match, you know, two two or three rounds, that doesn't matter. The other team can always rally and win because every round is a new is a fresh start. So in Gambit, it's just like they're not within striking distance as long as you play the early game right. They're not even a threat. There is no maintained threat. Rusty's idea makes invading relevant though, rather than as you said just a nuisance in the primeval stage, waiting for X amount of stacks. I think it would be better for individual stacks rather than, than a team. But think about what I'm saying, Moto JP. I think invading would be relevant in the boss fight if they were in close proximity. Because think about it. If we're at stack one and you're at stack two, all we've got to do is come over and slow you down a little bit, and we might catch up and get our stack and get our stack two as your stack two is ending. And now we're now we're closer because we came over and slowed you down. We got a couple kills, so you couldn't rush the envoys, you know, next. But what happens is, as people pull so far ahead, we're getting stacked, we're, we're finishing stack two and on our way to stack three a lot of times when the teams we're playing against summon. So it's like, the, we're getting stack three and you don't even have stack one yet. You just called your primeval out, which means you still got to go kill the envoys to get stack one and then it's on a timer. So there is no, there is no like, 
catching back up. The only thing I would be okay with, and I just thought of this, the only catch-up mechanic I might be okay with, and I'd have to think about this, is the team that's behind. If you're behind, your stacks on the ground have smaller windows of time. Now, what that does is that's intrinsic, that's an intrinsic catch-up but it also kind of takes away chances for you to do damage. You have less time to do damage, but it gets you to the next group of envoys a little bit quicker. Now, again, this would only matter if you're like, they would have to do this as like a, if they're at stack three, that means your stack one is now significantly shorter. So you can get to stack two a little bit faster. Again, not an enormous catch-up mechanic, not something that is a nuisance to the other team, but it's like, dude, we just got stack three. That means their stack one's going to be really, really fast. That pool's going to be gone really, really quickly, which means they can get to stack two a little bit quicker and potentially do some damage. We've got to burn on the next one. So then you have to burn on four because you know the team that's behind now has expedited pools of the, of the, of the, of the stacks they have to still earn it they still have to kill the envoys and navigate the um the mechanic because in 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 original gambit as soon as you earned primeval slayer the other team that would spawn their 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 primeval after they would immediately start and have primeval slayer because you basically earned it for them it was one of the du- it was one of the dumbest things i've ever heard of i was like wait a minute so we're ahead of them and we earn primeval slayer for them and for us what you know i don't know Ginger 300 I like the idea of the invader timer. Do you think that invasion should have punish mechanics for a bad invade? For example, if the invader is killed without killing anyone, next invade they do not get wall hacks. I already think there's enough intrinsic pain that if you invade and don't get anything accomplished with it, it's pretty painful already. Now, it's maybe it's more painful now cuz invasion is so influential that if you have a bad one, you really really feel it. So that's possible that that's the main reason why. <laughs> so they might have to look at that too. Kid Midnight, what do you think about uh what do you think about healing done to primeval by invasion kills that scales as the match goes on? You'd have to meet you'd have to explain what you mean by scales. Why is it scaling? Is it scaling because it's late game and they feel that um I don't know why I didn't get any super energy there. They must have like nobody must have died. I'm not sure what happened. If is it is it scaling and is it more efficient or less efficient as the game goes on? Like I don't know what you mean. I don't think either would be good. If you get to stack five, what you want one kill to heal him more for a chance to catch back up? Again, that's a that's an intrinsic pain mechanic or our catch up mechanic that I think is dumb. I, I I'm like legit stuck here. There we go. I could not get out of that thing. Studly, I feel like once you summon the prime evil, the other team constantly invades and our invades are limited. Seems like it gives the other team uh, too much to, of a catch up. Again, I've already addressed this. The, the the invasions during the boss the boss fight are literally just a nuisance. As long as you are killing your envoys and, and getting your stacks, they can't slow you down. The only way they slow you down is if by dumb luck they come over and you're trying to kill the three envoys, the first two, then the third, and they manage to kill you and slow that process down. That's incredibly difficult if a team is bum-rushing to the envoys. Envoys. If you bum rush to the envoys, that the odds of somebody invading and killing all four people and not and then you're not able to kill the envoys, the odds of them pulling that off are pretty slim. So as long as you kill the envoys and secure the next stack, you're ahead in the race. You're not damaging the boss, so the kills don't actually cost you anything. 
they're just a nuisance there were literally times where I would let the invader kill me because I knew if he kills me it's going to make him leave he's already gotten a couple kills it's going to make him leave and the respawn timer of 15 seconds will have me back out here for the envoys as they spawn and that's actually better that's actually better because I'm going to be ready for the next group of envoys instead of having to deal with the invader. It gets him out of here. He's got, you know, 20 seconds left on his invade. My death is only my death is only a 15 second respawn timer. It's actually faster and sometimes it's faster to just let him kill you to get him out of there. Awaken void. What about when Gambit starts after 120 seconds, both teams can invade, so invades on a timer? That's literally what the entire talk was about. Uh, Yoy Cuff. Do you think that Gambit could learn from Dark Soul invasion systems? This doesn't seem like a real uh, a real question. Um, next question. Quinsicle. I like the timer idea, but if the problem is the first invade, then why not have each team start with an invade? That would retain the identity of banking to invade, um, but... Uh, but add similar strategy that the timer would at the beginning of the game. Yeah, like you could basically, yeah, you would weigh it, right? You would weigh it and say, well, we either we either invade right now because they've got, you know, they've got 15 moats and we could go slow them down right away. But then when we do that, we can't invade for a long time. You know, the earlier you invade, maybe the longer the cooldown or something. So sure, you could go over and invade right away, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be always beneficial because then the other team could kind of rebound from it because, well, now you have to wait a longer time to invade. The Guardian 777. Lona, I feel like you completely ignoring the fact that even if you lose the race to 25, you can influence the enemy team once you hit 25, unless they already hit 100 thoughts. I feel like you're ignoring almost my entire talk and my other videos where I talk about the reason that the race of 25 is so influential is because it slows you down to the point that the other team gets to 50 before you even get to 25. So they get to invade again. That's the, that's that's one of the main problems with it. One of the main problems with it is it is that you're literally not able to get back to 25. You lose moats from moat drain, you have to stop moving, you have to wait for 30 seconds even if you hide, and you might die and lose moats. All of those things slow you down. While that's happening, the other team is closing in on 50. The other team's closing in on 50. Typically, as I throw in whatever's needed for them to, for my buddy to invade, typically I already have teammates moving to the next area working on 50, then we invade and we stop you dead in your tracks. By the time you deal with our invader, we're we're either at 50 or we're kissing it. We're like right there. Meanwhile, you haven't even banked 25 yet. Sounds like removing moat drain would solve all the problems. No. No. Even if you remove moat drain, I can still go over. And if you hide, it's 30 seconds that you get to do nothing if you hide. Right? Or you run the risk of going out and getting killed. And if I get to sit over there for 30 seconds, my team's going to beat you 250. It happened in regular Gambit without Moat Drain, as, 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 as Milo is saying. The influence, it's not the power, it's the influence. The influence of invasion is ridiculously strong, and so you end up with race to 25, you get stuck, then they have 50, you're so far behind, it's insurmountable. They're going to summon and get stacks before you, and even if you play from behind in normal Gambit, which is really frustrating now with how strong the blockers are, it's still, it still is going to be rough because you, you, you just can't, you can't bounce back. 
and I don't want catch-up mechanics. It's just that you're not a threat. You're not a threat. I'm trying to keep the team from behind. They need to still be a threat because they can, they can, if they make the right plays and make the right things, they have the chance. And right now that's just, that's just like mathematically unlikely due to the snowball effect of banking at 25 and then getting to 50 before they recuperate from the initial invasion. The only, here's the thing. The only thing that turns the tide of the person invading first at 25 the only thing that turns it is what happened to us yesterday is you get lucky and you kill the invader right away even if you kill the invader by kind of trying to swarm him and look for him if it takes you 15 to 20 seconds to do that that's 15 to 20 seconds that the other team isn't being bothered by anything they're just free and clear they're just banking moats and they're on their way to 50 so even in the best case scenario where you where you you rally and you find him and you kill him you're still burning valuable time and you're risking moats and in prime you're potentially losing to moat drain but what happened to milo is really the only instance where the first initial invade gets turned around is when milo died instantaneous because of either luck or maybe something else was going on where you basically have someone die immediately so it's not even you didn't even invade and have influence that's how strong the influence is the influence is so strong that the only way it ever really gets mitigated when we're playing that way the only time people override it is when they kill our invader immediately even when milo's gone over and died as long as he gets over there and he la- and he lives for about 15 seconds that that's enough to help moat drain maybe he gets a kill before dying you know maybe he makes them slow down and play a little bit reckless whatever it is his influence just being over there for 15 seconds typically is enough for us to for us to for, to be untouchable i he's even gone over before but like i couldn't find anybody and then i got killed but he was over there for, for 15 or 20 seconds and because he was over there that long i'm like no worries get back over there i've literally said that like, oh no, you're good, dude. We're sending it back over right now. Bam, I bank my six and, and back he goes. Why? Because we slow the other team down so much that we just, we got to 50 while they were messing with them. So even an ideal, even an ideal scenario, the, the, the most ideal scenario is that he dies right away. And if he doesn't die right away, yeah, you're, you're basically cooked because you're just going to waste so much time and invest so much things sort of being distracted. Whenever I do a full 30 second invade, our second portal is open for me when I get back. Oh yeah, if you're over there for the full 30 seconds, you're that's it. You're going right back over. You're going right back over. I mean, honestly, invaders could just start doing that. If you really weaken invaders, they could basically just go over and hide and like take real random peak snipe shots. And as long as they're just running around and hiding, then then the other team is just going to be is going to be distracted just enough that the other team's going to get to 50 and then they're going to do it again. Here he comes at 50. He's a nuisance. He's a distraction. He's 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 keeping us from getting our moats. He's keeping us from banking and we're getting moat drain and now they're now they're on their way to 75 and we haven't even gotten past 30 something like we're stuck, you know. Fuzz bounce. I think a possible solution for the invading issue is some sort of punishment in the invader dis while uh, the invader does while invading. Drops lots of moats, long respawn timer, something to add some risk of invading. 
yeah, maybe like if he goes over and he dies, you know, he's he he knows that he uh, he knows that he's gonna have a really long respawn timer and not be able to help his team. I don't know if that's gonna hurt his influence though. I still think he's gonna go over and slow the other team down so much. I mean, the only thing the long respawn timer would do is it would probably help with double invades. It would help with double invades because then he wouldn't be able to go over right away because he'd be respawning. Which is a, which is would be a, would be a potential buffer, you know? Like, well, no, I can't go over right away. One of you are going to have to go over. Which there, there you go, right? That, you would just have somebody else invade with heavy. Well, yes, you'd have to have heavy, so that might help a little bit. That might help a little bit because then even if somebody could invade, they wouldn't have heavy. But again, if they just all run snipers, then he dies, has a long respawn timer. No worries, we beat him to 50. Somebody else invades with the sniper, does the same thing, and slows them down. Again, if your team is playing right, you don't need your you don't need your fourth buddy. Borquin, do you think removing the wall hacks and overshield and instead of every kill as an invader, you gain a portion of an overshield but create a skill wall when starting an invasion, but reward the invader as he earns it? No, I don't think this is a solution either. Like I said, I just I feel like trying to tweak the power of the invader really isn't the issue. If you lessen his influence, then his power is justified. It's totally justifiable for him to be really powerful in a in a 3 in a 4v1 situation. In a 4v1 situation, I think a lot of his power is justified. The problem is is his power results in so much influence over the game that it's like you don't really need to do much. You just go over and you again, you could just hide and you have influence. And it's easy to go over and hide because you have power. You have wall hacks, you have an overshield. But again, he kind of needs that power because he's he's going up against a 4v1 situation. If you shrink the opportunity for this person to influence the game, if you make influence a little bit less, then his power is completely justified at that point. Jeffrey Connor. Gambit is trash and Bungie is stupid for even making it because Trials was awesome. I loved it. Well, thank you for using my Q&A to throw a tantrum. The Angry Texan. Do you think buffing the sentry role to a greater degree would help because of the effectiveness and the influence of invasions? I Maybe. Maybe. I think the sentry role would take a significant position of power in the realm of what we're talking about. Because if you're if you're having less risk and you're protecting the platform as a sentry, because you know in two minutes they can invade. We're collecting, we're banking, we're collecting, we're banking, we're debating about when to bank, we're debating about what to bank. And I just did two forges and I didn't have her bounty with me. Awesome. Um so the sentry would then be sort of on the plate, defending against blockers, and then hopefully able to mark the guy as soon as he gets over. Again, the sentry doesn't have a whole a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of strength right now, and the reason he doesn't have a whole lot of strength is mainly because he's. Uh, He's sort of like a, in some respects, he's kind of like a sitting duck. Like, it's like, well, I'm going to sit on this, I'm going to sit on this bank and I'm going to try and protect it. But then the invader comes over and he's probably just going to die. So I don't know if they need to make the sentry stronger, but I feel like the sentry would have more purpose and more legs if there was a timer on invasion. Well, we know we have 30 seconds to bank. So you better start freaking banking because they're going to, they're going to be over here in 30 seconds if you don't get rid of your moats. Well, then what happens is... And what happens is, 
the the sentry is playing a role and if the person invades and does manage to catch somebody with their pants down because they were holding on to too many moats that's justified you took the risk you took the you you gambled with your moats and because you gambled with your moats because you gambled with your moats well I'm glad I didn't do a powerful frame because I just got a 99 kinetic you gambled and and then you paid the price. Now, someone might say, well, then nobody's going to invade because nobody's ever going to have moats. That's not true, right? That's not true. Because if the, if they see, no, 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 dude, they have like three moats right now. Don't invade. We, we've got our invade. We earned our invade after two minutes. Let's just chill. Let's just chill, you know? And then guess what would happen? You would have that pain of like, if you're going to invade, it's going to distract from the task at hand. You're going to have to basically stay near the invasion portal. You're not, you're not, I have God roll, um, go figures, dude. You're, you're, you're going to, you're going to have to stay near the invasion portal, which is intrinsic pain. You're like, I can't come help you guys. I have to stay near the invasion portal because as soon as they get a good number of moats, I want to go over there to try to get them. Okay. Now, someone might say, Bolono, you're still making first invasion really, really important. Yes, and teams could mitigate that by never really holding lots of moats. Do you see? Strategy could then be a bulwark and a pushback on the invader's influence. Dude, every time I get five, I'm banking. Screw this crap. I know he's going to see us get a ton of moats, and then he's going to invade. If I'm always getting five and banking, five and banking, five and banking, guess what a good invade doesn't do? It does take moats from you, but it doesn't set you back. It doesn't prevent you from invading either, because your team earns an invade at two minutes too. So you're doing the same exact thing. You're waiting for that moment to invade. The reason first invade is so influential right now is a successful first invade prevents the other team from invading at all. They just don't get to invade. But if both teams get an invade at two minutes and they're both playing the same gamble gambit of do we go for big moats? Do we keep our moats? When do we invade? If I still if I stay near the portal so I'm ready to invade, that means I'm not helping the team. That means the team needs to survive on their own. That's far more balanced. Because even if they come over and get a good invade, and let's say he kills two people and he takes ten moats from you, that sucks. But no worries. You're not, you're not getting destroyed in the race to 25. Oh, and then, by the way, they're coming right back in at 50. No, they had a good invade. They set you back. No worries. You get to invade too. You both earned an invade at two minutes. And then you can bounce back and strategize, have good invades to set them back. It's, it, it would Again, it would keep teams in closer proximity, so the team that is arguably better is ahead, but the team that is behind is still a threat. Jeffrey Connor. Um, he literally said the same thing twice. Dude, Jeffrey Connor, I'm going to speak directly to you. If you're not here, then we'll let you know the next time you come in. If you use my Q&A to throw tantrums and submit non-questions, we will time you out so you can't do that. That is, uh, that's not an acceptable use of Q&A. He was trolling chat also. Yeah, you're on a fast track to a permaban. Do not disrupt what we have here. This is not your playground. This is a community of people that come together to have Q&A. It's not your playground. And if you treat it as such, you'll be removed. Uh, Hendrix Live with 19 months. Thank you very much, dude. Zelfin. Lono, can you touch on Titan's place in Destiny 2 right now? I've been discussing it with other friends, and it seems that currently Titans have much less useful in the endgame. Titans suck in the endgame. 
I'll just say it. They suck in the end game. If you run Reckoning Tier 3 and you have a Titan on your team, he is an anchor. Get rid of him. Make him play as something else. I'm d- I am dead freaking serious. Titans are an anchor in intense combat. They just are. They suck. Sorry. They don't have a Riggs Tether. They don't have Shards of Galanor. They don't have uh, they don't have Skull. They don't have Phoenix Protocol. They don't have uh, they don't have uh, Geomags. They don't have anything. What do they got? Th- they got they got one-eyed mask in PvP. Yippee freaking skippy. Like, I could maybe see Skull Fort and Ballistic Slam being helpful this week, okay? Because because you could keep getting it back. But a rig's tether. A rig's tether takes care of all the trash ads, so why would you be doing ballistic slam? Melting point's the only thing they have? Yeah, melting point's the only thing worthwhile that they have, and melting point is is laden with crazy risk. What's up, dude? You know me? Yeah, let me get you something. Let me get you some chicken. Let me get you some chicken. Yeah, yeah. Watch that. You watch me eat that chicken. Alright, bring it. Let's get this. Alright, here, here. Give me some give me some of that. Oh, you walked away. I was gonna have him pound it. Yeah, Titans suck in the end game. Their only their only real inf- like strong influence in PvE is laden with a massive amount of risk. You gotta go up and punch enemies that just consistently knock you back consistently knock you back and the knockback and the ground pound is one of the is one of the most glaring and enormous problems with reckoning you fail reckoning a lot of the times because someone gets knocked back nobody makes a mistake or does something wrong it's not like you have bad strategy you're just spamming your supers like how is that strategy um (laughs) i didn't realize hitting lb and rb constantly was strategy because you're using exotics that feeds you supers against a waterfall of enemies the reason you fail is not for bad strategy or lack of skill you get slammed by an enemy and go flying off and you get overwhelmed by the enemies and titans don't help with any of that uh does ursa apply to ward of dawn i don't think so fill the night what if they add weekly modifiers like in reckoning and strikes to limit the influence of invasion for example a certain weapon type or element uh drops extra damage for the invader that week oh does extra damage to the invader no this is not a good idea um it you know i'm gonna tell you it's a good idea because i don't want to be mean it's a pretty good idea but it wouldn't work because you're going into a player versus player environment and one week to the next there's advantages and disadvantages and there's 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 teams are basically winning and losing at the whims of modifiers i don't think people would like that that's really really close that's really really close to curated loadouts people hated curated loadouts and if you went into a pvp environment and felt that you didn't have to but felt you were really really being encouraged to use a certain loadout and then that loadout was really shutting down invaders I don't know if that... I, I, I like where your head's at, but I don't think people would end up liking it. I think people would end up disliking that, like, quite a bit. That's just my personal opinion. Um, they'd have... They could try it and see what people say, but I think people would reject that pretty harshly. Angelus. Imagine two PvE players doing mo collection and wave clear mainly with two PvP players being sentry and invading and counter invading. Does that not make a balanced team composition? Isn't that what Gambit's sort of for? Four PvE players will always have trouble with an invader uh, because they aren't good at PvP. Being good at PvP has nothing to do with preventing or stopping invasion. It doesn't. Stop selling this bill of goods. It, it has nothing to do with it. 
I don't care if real crafty himself goes into gambit. He is going to struggle against somebody with heavy and overshield and wall hacks. You're basically playing against a cheater. Like they're allowed to do it. It's part of the game. You're playing against a cheater. <laughs> like your PVP skill isn't landing on a fight that you are you are basically at an enormous disadvantage for. And getting a good invasion has nothing to do with PvP skill. You can see them through the walls, and you have an overshield, and most people just spam a machine gun. A spray and pray weapon with high damage. Like, I just, I don't think, I really don't think, and also, like, implying PvE players aren't good PvP players. Like, Milo, as far as I know it, Milo's not some hardcore PvP player, and he invades with very, very consistent success. Very consistent success. I, whenever I invaded, I invaded with consistent success. I am not a strong PvP player. I'm an okay PvP player. In the right circumstances, I can throw up good stats, and people are like, why don't you play PvP more often? And I'm like, eh, I I don't do this every game, but, like, I can hold my own. I've been playing PvP games since Quake 2, so, like, PvP comes naturally to me to a certain extent, but at the same time, that being plenty of PvE players are competent in PvP. If they play PvE, they're competent in PvP, and that's really all you need. I mean, competency. I mean, basic competency. I mean, sure, if, if some potato with two left thumbs invades well then yeah you're probably going to be able to handle him and you could say well because i have good pvp skill and i'm aware and i'm good with a sniper i out i out i I outplayed that guy well yeah of course he was a freaking potato i mean we've played against people that you can tell from their movement and from the way that they approach it they're not even thinking they're just literally running at you with a machine gun there's no thought there's just no thought. I mean, I don't know. You're an okay PvP player, but with wall hacks, that makes up the difference. But a good PvP player would easily stop you. I com- I just completely disagree. I don't think a good PvP player would easily stop me. I don't. I really don't. You're making it sound like if you're good at PvP, you can just shut people down it- when they're invading. And I just don't think it's easy. I, I don't think. Maybe not easily, but it would be fair. I don't think so. I you, that you're free to have that opinion. I just don't think I can pre-fire a machine gun at you and I have an overshield. You have got to be almost you, you have got to be so close to perfect. You have to be real crafty level sniping to stop that. You are creating a, an enormous problem if that's what's required to stop an invader. If you don't have real crafty on your team with a sniper and the right sight lines, that still is RNG. That still is RNG. It's RNG because even crafty, if he's got, I mean, if he's got a locked in shot, right? If he's got a locked in shot, it's still RNG. The invader could land right next to your other players, light them up with a machine gun, and now you're way behind. Even if they don't lose moats, they're way behind. Because like, I don't know. I'm real crafty, I guess. Again, if you're shutting people down with a sniper regularly that are that are spamming heavy, then I want to see your I want to see your montage. I want to see you game after game shutting down invaders because I don't think you're doing it that often, personally. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm underestimating snipers and I should run a sniper more often. But then what you're doing is you're creating an overarching pain point. 
basically like you gotta run a sniper that's the only TTK that's gonna keep that's the only TTK that's gonna be able to keep up with somebody who can see you through the walls and spam a machine gun is a sniper I mean 1k voices I sometimes get them because I put it on the ground next to them even still we're not talking about that we're talking about the influence of invasion even when I do that I'm slowed down I'm stopped my focus is not on moat collection the team is not doing what they need to be doing and if that team has invaded first and we're doing this even if I get the kill we're potentially losing anywhere from typically 10 to 15 seconds those 10 to 15 seconds are enough for the other team to beat us to 50 and they invade again and now they're off to the races if they bank 50 before we bank our 25 then I mean that's that's I would bet 95% of games where they hit 50 before the other team hits 25 I bet 95% of those games they win and when you say well you just have to be a good team I play with a good team and when we go up against randos that get a good first invade on us and they waste our time and then we don't bank 25 before they bank 50 and we lose we're suddenly a bad team no that strategy isn't beating us because we're a bad team that strategy is beating us because it's overwhelmingly difficult to overcome you know like we're a good team I don't think anybody would debate the fact that when I play with the guys and we play organized and we steamroll six teams in a row I don't think anybody would deny the fact that we're a good team and you always make it sound like the reason this strategy works is because we're playing against bad teams well then why does the strategy work so well against us Aren't we suddenly become a bad team because they had a good first invade? Like, what the frick? Like, no, I completely disagree with that. I, it's too influential. Even the even the crappiest of player can leverage massive influence by being first to invade at 25. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. There's no denying we're a good team. We were drunk and went on a 15-game win streak. Well, we were playing with Benji. I mean, that's a little unfair. He's like one of the best invaders in the in the actual uh, community. <laughs> He's one of the best invaders in the community. Um, so, next question. Mono, you mentioned standardized invasion times for Gambit, but wouldn't make this mode even more predictable. Uh, once people figure out optimal strategy, we'd never see people using any other strategy. I think it might be more boring. No, it wouldn't. No. The reason it wouldn't turn into that, the reason it wouldn't turn into that is because you would still have people doing different things. You could have teams that only bank fives. You could have teams that funnel everything to one guy so you can bank a 15 or a 20. You would have teams that take the risk and play kind of foolishly and pay the price. They try to go for for big moat collections like 10s, 15s, and they get caught with their dadgum pants down. No, I think this would actually open up the playing field for far more strategy because you could try a, a, a whole host of different things get a collector and let him go to 20 nobody else collects moats see how that goes along with some smalls just send nothing but smalls for moat draining because that's a huge distraction if if you're sending nothing but smalls and you're going for moat drain because you're not needing to bank 25 to invade but you're just going for moat drain well that creates pain that the other team then has to manage they have to go in and they have to say okay we need a sentry you're leveraging pain and power on the other team that they have to adapt to that's not what happens right now. It's 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 an unmeetable pain point. It's like, well, once they have that good first invade, they're gonna hit fifty before we hit twenty-five. Therefore, we are we are behind. They are constantly preventing us. They like they put up a brick wall, and you're like, yeah, we can't, we can't, we're done. We can't get past this brick wall. And I think that's 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 what I'm just been trying to get out this entire time. 
Phoenix NCC? That's a good question, though, about wouldn't it just become simplistic strategy? I really do think a standardized invasion timer, I really do think it would create far more strategy with moat banking. When to invade? That too. Think about what that does to when you invade. You question whether or not you should invade because you're like, well, they don't have a whole lot of moats yet. So you're hanging out near the teleporter, and that's potentially a risk you're taking for a potential payout against the other team. Instead of hitting 25, zero risk, just go invade. Like, no risk need, no risk at all. Just, yeah, go invade. Go get them. Go get them, Tiger. Even if you don't kill anybody, you're going to slow them down, and we'll, hit, we'll beat them to 50 probably. Uh, next question. Uh, next question is Phoenix. What options are there to correct the strength influence of invasions in Gambit? Personally, I'm confident there is a solution. We've outlined the solution numerous times today. So you're asking a question that was answered in the talk. It's the timer, and I just outlined why it would create more strategy. Alphex. What if when an invader invades, the defender teams uh, supers charge really fast? This uh, rate would have to be tested, um, but it would make defenders more capable of defending. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're getting too down into the micro again. I think we're getting way too down into the micro. I think big picture macro, you empower teams to invade at similar intervals, which then empowers teams to come up with their own strategies of when to bank moats, how many moats to bank, who's banking the moats, who's defending the plate, who's invading. If you're invading, are you staying near the invasion portal, or do you think you can get over there fast enough while also banking moats? You're splitting jurisdiction and responsibility and potentially coming up with good and bad strategy, good and bad rebuttals and responses to what the other team is doing. And I think that's why making a big change like that would be better than getting down into the macro of like, well, what if when he invades, he's marked on the map for a couple seconds? Well, what if when he invades, the enemy team gets their supers back really fast? Like, I just think there's a lot of things there that would potentially, you know, kind of make things kind of funky with with respect to what we've been talking about so i think we're gonna do a sword yeah we'll do a powerful sword uh next question wesley robert lono what about a timer to invade in other words you can't bank invades once you get to 25 you have 30 seconds to invade that's not gonna change anything that's what people do now homie like nobody's waiting to invade they hit 25 and they go right away like that that that's not that that wouldn't work in other words, you can't bank invade. Oh, I don't think you should be able to bank invades in Prime. That's terrible, by the way. We had a team do that to us. They blasted ahead so much that they didn't even feel the need to come over at 50 because we didn't have that many moats. They had such a strong invade that they're like, nah, don't even invade yet. They saved it. And then once they summoned their primeval, then they invaded. It was ridiculous. They basically banked their 50. They invaded at 75. Uh, and they had their 50 saved. It was so frustrating. It was like, so they're already ahead. And you and you basically let them bank and invade as the team in the lead. It was ridiculous. Chesco. Would an area like the Dark Zone instead of Crucible satisfy PvPers? I really like the Crucible, so I really hope they don't remove it entirely. Yeah, I don't know. We probably need to do an entire talk about why I think PvP is on the chopping block. I do. The more I think about it, the more I think it's on the chopping block. Phoenix. So in light of what you're saying, can Bungie make a BR2? No, I don't think so. I don't think that'd be a good idea. Too many eggs in that basket, and it could backfire in your face like so many, so many failed BRs. Storm. 
Why is the team in the lead being rewarded with invasion? Shouldn't the team behind get the invasion portal to give them a fighting chance? This is essentially playing from behind, and I don't like that. Catch-up mechanics can create very, very cheesy strategies where playing from behind is more advantageous, and that's why I said I'm trying to get teams in closer proximity so the team from behind is a threat, but they're not taking advantage of, well, if you play from behind, you get X, Y, and Z, and these advantages are great because you get to do you get to invade and this and that and blah 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 I don't think that would be a good uh, that would not be a good solution um I'm going to get the rapid kills here because of the thrall uh next question from Al Al Hosani I play Destiny 2 for almost 2,000 hours and more than half of that is crucible I'd hate it if they remove it I don't want them to remove it for, for you homie I don't I don't want them to take it away from you. I'm just being realistic. From a business standpoint, BR is changing player expectations. Uh, Their PvP has been mediocre for about four years, and it's attached to a game that kind of forces it to be mediocre and always a little bit confused with respect to... um, It's always a little bit confused and mediocre with respect to, like, it's mixed with PvE. And because of that, um, I think... I think that... I think that, you know, they're, they're always going to be in this question of, is this worth it? We get less engagement, it's always somewhat mediocre, and people are funneling away from this style of PvP. They're funneling towards BR. There's a lot of business decisions, I think, that are, that are going to lend themselves to people leaning away from classic, like, PvP game modes like this. You know? I just... It's one of those things... Um, it's one of those things that I, I think that it's just, it's, I don't know. Apparently they leaked part of the TWAB about, about the enhancement cores. We know that enhancement cores have been a pain point for many players. That's why we're removing them from infusion and altering the system as follows. Each item will now have a progress bar that when filled will allow the item to be infused. Kills in the Crucible will increase the progress bar while death will reduce it. Play wisely. Iron Banner and competitive playlists will multiply progress. Once gear is primed, you can infuse it with another item for 50 Crucible tokens. That's gotta be fake. That's gotta be fake. Is Paul goofing around? Oh, that's made up. <laughs> He's memeing. I was gonna say, I was like, what the frick? I gotta go play Crucible? <laughs> As I was reading, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. You're filling up the bar. And then it took me to Crucible and I was like, huh? <laughs> oh, Paul. Uh, would it make sense for the case of invasion problems to just blatantly remove the ogre shield overshield to prevent snowballing and prime? This would deal some form of H. No, yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna skip past any question. It's a micro solution. I just don't think these are gonna help. JD Gamer, with the leaks of the thorn ornament, it looks like it's going to be purchased with silver. Do you think backlash will happen? about it not being earnable no I think if they're going to be self-publishing them having direct lines of purchase is totally fine I mean I look at those cosmetic items and I'm like this is not that big of a deal now the fact that it's not earnable I can get over that now when they were attached to Activision I wasn't okay with it but now that they're self-publishing I don't care at all if they have stuff like that I think I think my tone is changing because it's like no they, they need to generate revenue and that's an easy way to do it as long as it's vanity only I don't care my tone has completely and utterly changed about that. I got mad at the Iron Banner stuff. I said, this stuff should be earnable. Okay, I did. I said those things. But 
my attitudes changed because they're self-publishing company now and I want them to be able to earn revenue and as long as it's vanity only I don't give a crap I was getting burned out by uh, my 20th tier 3 run uh, without a weapon drop would you say that if we get a weapon every completion or every other completion that would be people would play longer it should be every completion or do it or do a system like Ada has every completion or do a solution uh, or do a, a situation like Ada where you get a bounty and it's basically guaranteed every so many runs um, that's what I would do. How frustrated are you in the new gamut scale, one to ten? I don't. I'm not. I'm not frustrated. We can go on fifteen to twenty game win streaks. It's just, I don't think it's a good game mode. Wordman, what do you think about the invader only seeing the person with highest moats with the wall hacks? Oh, maybe. Again, this is a micro solution, not a macro solution. I think what this would just lead to is again that passivity. It's such a passive influence of slowing the other team down and they're hunting for the invader. They're stopping. You know, his presence is 30 seconds. Moat drains happening. So he could literally just invade, see the person with the most moats and just hover on the bank and nobody could bank and the he could protect the people, you know, protect the block. Excuse me, protect the blockers so the moat drains happening. This doesn't solve the problem. You think Gambit Prime has any chance of future in esports? Bungie having a store reward with Gambit Prime jerseys made me think people might consider to push that in this direction. If they turn this into an esports, it's literally not even out of the starting blocks. Uh, Daniel C. 2064. Would you consider revealing the invader's position to the defenders or possibly only those with the sentry set if the invader uh, stays in one location for too long? Yeah, again, these are micro solutions. I don't think these will fix the problem. It's too influential. You're not taking away the influence. You're just making it harder to kill people, which that's not really the main that's part of the main issue but that's not the only issue with invasion being too influential gambit and drifter are inherently a gambler's experience invasion can effectively end the game due to the snowball effect maybe what invasion needs is a risk yeah a lot of people have said this you got to spend modes you lose modes blah 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 again this is a micro solution i don't know if it would help we need a macro solution a big solution Yesterday's fixed gambit combo stuck with me. I had a thought. Given Drifter's lore so far, what if Invader spawns with a linked major and we can uh, and we can drop wall uh, with a linked major and we can drop wall hacks? Kill the major and Invader gets killed as well. Kills uh, gives the team a focus to draw them out of Invader. Gets to be a free roam. I, this sounds crazy. This sounds way, way different than anything we've talked about. I don't think so. Alex Mike. Even with this change, wouldn't we still have the problem of a bake uh, at X stacks? Yes, and I said that in my talk. I still think the boss fight needs looked at. Boss fight still needs looked at. That this, that, that wouldn't necessarily be a solution. Uh, somebody in chat says, Why are you always complaining? Um, why are you stupid? Uh, let's see. Mr. Anderson. How about once the portal opens, the timer starts for the invader? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, people would literally just sit on the uh, people would just sit on the portal. That wouldn't change much. They would they would just they would just sit on the portal. Uh, and and if they don't sit on the portal, being in a random game with randos would be infuriating. Someone would bank, the portal would open, and if nobody's near it, you'd go over and have five seconds. That wouldn't be good for randoms either. Um, Stealth Avix. What do you think about removing the overshield? Again, that's a micro solution. Floyd. While I do agree that invasion is currently too influential, I'm wondering if any changes will make a major change. Is it possible that Gambit is just too narrow a game mode to support a changing meta? Uh, Moscow 5 changed the fundamental way that Dota was played at the time, but the options available for a meta is just how the game felt, um, and it feels bigger. I mean, I'm not familiar with Dota, so I will say that I think I've outlined a pretty good case a pretty good case that a 
predictable and knowable interval timer for invasion would allow for different strategies to emerge do you send lots of little blockers medium blockers one big blocker do you do you do you risk it and hold them do you have somebody dedicated to the plate as a sentry to defend the blockers you don't really need to do that in the current situation as long as you're not banking until 25 and then you're the first to bank at 25 you don't really need to protect your plate um, cuz you just get ahead and you invade again a second time and then there's no real danger of them sending blockers cuz you're way far ahead um they're, they're just not in close proximity and I'm trying to get them in close proximity I think I've made pretty good arguments that you would also have somebody that has to stick near the portal because you're like well if everybody if it's, if like think about the, the, the swing of strategy dude they're not banking get the frick over there dude go with the two minutes just hit we don't know what these guys are doing and you go over there right and maybe they're not banking because they have one guy who's going for 20 and everybody else is waiting for the invader that's a strategy that would take you by surprise what if they're banking like crazy and the invade timer goes off and you look and you're like they only have three moats let's wait well now you have to stay near the portal if you want to invade as soon as they have a lot of moats again that's a strategy that is changing each game would be a little bit different depending upon what the other team does instead of race to 25, invade, beat them to 50 invade, beat them to 75, invade sit back and relax and enjoy an easy envoy race I'm telling you, what I'm outlining is not is not going to make invasion dumb or broken or not influential anymore, it would still be influential but it would be, it would, it'd be influential when executed properly with respect to strategy instead of first invade 25, so much passive strength, moat drain wall hacks get some kills like all those benefits get a little bit more narrow and since they're narrow now you have to use it as an efficient and effective tool instead of just now nah, we're the, we were the first look at all the benefits we get look at all the benefits we get so you can see how influential it is when milo gets killed instantly and the whole game flips on us because the guy got lucky and was just like looking at him when he came in he literally spawned and died and the whole game flipped on us why first invade that's why no strategy they just got lucky and they completely overhauled our entire strategy by getting lucky David Snake Eyes do you think this should sync up the primeval stacks between two instances and three uh, between two between the two instances so if one team has three times and the other team gets the primeval would be at three times that is incredibly dumb (laughs) I'm not being I don't want to be mean I don't want to be mean they did this before if we're ahead of you and earning stacks of primeval, I shouldn't be giving them to you. That's dumb. You could literally be behind. They earn stack four, and then you earn stack four, and you bake because either you had more power ammo, more supers, or whatever the frick, and you're killing your boss with stacks that the other team earned? Come on, David. Come on. That's dumb. They did that before in normal Gambit. If we got a stack of Primeval and the other team came from behind, they automatically had Primeval stacks as soon as they started. It was stuck. It was stupid. Don't know. That's not a good idea. That's a catch-up mechanic that would be so cheesy. Mr. Anderson, what if the invading team gets two medium blockers pop up once they jump through? What? The invading team gets two medium blockers pop up once they jump through. No, that that no. Uh, uh-uh. these are mac. These are micro solutions. Yoshi, what if the invader wall hacks it was a pulse micro solution? Not answering you. Uh, Forever night. Does the actual game of an armor have an influence on the game at this point? I think the twenty blocker has a potential, and I think marking the invader has a potential if you use something like a bow, you know, that you can see through or whatever. 
Uh, Gritter, what if the moment that some of your team jumps through the invasion portal automatically causes the other team's portal to activate too? We've already dealt with this question. Major Glory, what do you think of the idea of invading being linked to killing a high-profile target with lots of moats? If the team doesn't kill the mobs, the portal doesn't open for the other until late. Downside is an opportunity for the other team to outgain your moats. Yeah, again, you guys are just getting down in the micro. I'm going to close Q&A because we're just getting a lot of... You guys are just now... You sense that I'm trying to end Q&A. Like, you're seeing questions really quickly. So people are, like, just randomly throwing out little little micro suggestions. I love that you guys are thinking about solutions, but I don't think these are worth discussing because they're too they're too small. It's a small solution that can have all these other far-reaching problems. I'm trying to come with a macro solution, a big solution because I think the problem's big, too influential, big solution. You guys are getting down into the micro and it's just it's kind of exhausting the Q&A to the point that I'm just constantly having to dissect every teeny little suggestion. We're not really even doing Q&A anymore. You guys are just now now we're just rapid firing suggestions and it ain't really it ain't really uh, it ain't really working. So, I'm going to cut the Q&A there. We'll keep discussing. You guys can keep putting suggestions in the chat for ideas. I just don't want the Q&A to turn into this, and that's what it's turning into now. So, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live twitch.tv slash say no to rage uh, and I'm probably live right now so if you want to come put, take part in the Q&A come do that if you're here live right now and you enjoy this click that follow button click that heart button on my Twitch channel and I'm going to keep streaming so don't leave but if you're listening to this in the other locations please like share and subscribe <laughs>